Chapter Nine of the Social War of Nineteen Hundred, or the Conspirators and Lovers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Social War of Nineteen Hundred, or the Conspirators and Lovers, by Simon Landis. Chapter Nine: Victor and Lucinda Betrothed. When Miss Lucinda Armington presented herself at the bedside of Victor Juno, he seemed to have known what was coming. He therefore spoke first, and said, "'I feel as though an angel from on high, in disguise, was sent before me,' and took both her hands into his transparent ones, when she replied, "'Mr. Juno, I hope you will pardon me for appearing before you in this peculiar manner.' "'Certainly, my brave young lady.' I feel from my inmost soul that you are here on a mission of mercy. And if it were possible, I would relate to you what I saw in a dream last night," said Victor, with a deep and exhausted sigh. "'Mr. Juno, please do not exhaust yourself. But if you are not too weak, I will relate to you why I came here, and in this disguise,' responded Miss Armington. "'Speak, oh, speak, sweet lady.' Your presence electrifies and strengthens me, and I am quite well enough to listen to anything that your charming voice may relate," quite vigorously said Victor Juno. "'Friend Juno—I beg your pardon—Mr. Juno,' stammed Miss Armington. "'Dear Angel, use the former, and believe me that my very soul is yours, and I feel assured that by your presence this hour, and in this disguise, that your heart beats in unison with mine.' or you would not be thus," most affectionately spoke Victor Juno, looking worlds of love into her soul-enchanting eyes. "'May you never doubt my sincerity and motives, but still I am almost a perfect stranger to you,' ejaculated Lucinda. But Victor interrupted her, and said solemnly, "'My beloved lady, why should you feel in the least embarrassed or backward in the presence of a man who would lose his life ten thousand times to give you one meagre joy?' "'Speak no more, dear friend. You have indeed saved my miserable life, at triple the danger of losing your own. Therefore I would indeed be an ingrate to withhold anything from you,' modestly responded Lucinda. "'Thanks, many thanks, for this delicious candour. And will you now be kind enough to relate what you spoke of? And after doing so I will tell you my dream,' said Victor." Oh, I have some horrible things to tell you, which may not be any benefit to your shattered nerves, but there is a greater danger overhanging you than my story can produce, should you be kept in ignorance of what I know. You will therefore find that my presence at this hour, and in this awkward disguise, may save your precious life, which, if such will be the case, will at least repay you for the great services you have done me and my father," said Lucinda. Beloved angel of my soul, why do you mention what I did? You certainly cannot deem me so selfish as to hope I laboured for compensation," sadly responded Victor. "'Oh, no, certainly not. I did not mean that, but—hesitatingly she continued—'I suppose it was—love,' ejaculated Victor, that prompted the wholesome act. Say so, sweetest lady, and I'll believe you.' "'Yes, sir, indeed it was,' she said, softly but earnestly. My soul is rejoiced that my never-ceasing affection for you is reciprocated, if I may be so bold as to esteem myself so blessed," responded Victor. Lucinda modestly bowed her head and said, 
This, truly, is the happiest moment of my life. Instantly Victor drew her toward him and kissed her affectionately, after which he said, My darling, I should be pleased now to listen to the horrible things of which you spoke. I will tell you, but hope you will see the necessity of keeping the whole matter a sacred secret. Otherwise ruination might befall us both, said she. No, darling, have more faith in my Cupid God, but let me not interrupt you any more, responded Victor. Well, my noble friend, you will see the good of being cautious about making known my visit, disguise, and story, said Lucinda. Of course, sweet love, I shall be perfectly silent, especially as you desire it, even if I saw it was better to make it public, ejaculated Victor. Thanks, blessed Victor. But to the point, I have a faithful servant at home who has overheard a secret plot to murder you, and that by people whom you have never injured, and of whom you would not think that they could be guilty of such dark deeds, said Lucinda. Victor interrupted her and said, My darling, allow me to ask who these parties are, and whether your servant really is reliable. Yes, good Victor, my servant is reliable. Moreover, there are a train of circumstances of which I know that convince me of the existence of such a plot, and further, when I tell you all, you may be able to conjure up some matters that happened in this chamber, by which you also will know the truth of what I shall relate. My father is a good, honest man, and a great admirer of yourself. I make this remark because when I tell you my story you might conceive the matter in such a manner as to cause an impression on your mind that dear father had something to do with this vile work because you certainly must know that Dr. Toy Pansy was employed by father and myself, said Lucinda. What say you, Dr. Toy Pansy? ejaculated Victor. Yes, Dr. Toy Pansy is a villain, who has evidently been trying to poison you whilst he was sitting up with you at night, without your own family doctor knowing anything about it, said Lucinda. Indeed, muttered Victor, and meditated a moment, then said, I can now know why he was so uneasy and anxious to be alone with me. Surely my dream was not all a dream. But then I have again interrupted you before you have finished your story. Please go on and tell me all. I will, dear Victor, but you may not clearly understand why myself and father would send you such a villain of a physician, unless I explain to you how he happened to be selected. I myself first proposed to furnish you with additional medical aid, and my father and Deacon Rob Stew sat by my bedside when I asked father to employ a doctor for you. At once father said to the deacon that he, the latter, was best acquainted with physicians, and would ask it as a special favor if Deacon Stew would select a physician. The deacon did so, and this is the manner in which Dr. Toy Pansy came to your bedside, said Lucinda. But, my beloved angel, how could such a course cause Dr. Toy Pansy to have designs upon my life? exclaimed Victor. You may deem me immodest, but, nevertheless, as we have become so well acquainted and love each other, I may tell you that Deacon Rob Stew has been suing for my hand the last year. But I hate his advances, and have always rejected him, yet have never been rude to him, because I always esteemed him a good Christian, until I learned that he connived with Pat O'Connor, our coachman, to murder you. Pat, Irish-like, suspicioned this wolf in sheep's clothing, when he dissembled and acted as though he also hated you, "'knowing that the deacon detested you because you are his successful rival,' said Lucinda. "'Is it possible that Dr. Toy Pansy and Deacon Rob Stew attempted to take my life? "'Surely, I will remember, 
that I had grown weaker the few days that Dr. Pansy was by my side, and my family doctor remarked several times in the presence of Dr. Toy Pansy that he could not clearly comprehend why I should not get stronger instead of weaker. My arm is nearly well, and I seem to see it all now. And it is you, my most precious darling, who saved my life. But now I'll have an eye on those vile conspirators, and I see the necessity of secrecy as you asked it, responded Victor. Dear Victor, I am exceedingly happy to see you so much better, and able to protect yourself against the danger which threatened your precious life. But please, tell me your dream, when I must go home, said Lucinda. Well, I dreamt three or four times last night you were by my bedside, as you are, and that we had pledged our mutual vows of love. But every time that we wanted to consummate our nuptial ties, some obstacles were thrown into our path by deep designing enemies. This was all I remember of it, but, oh, the horror and despair that I felt was almost unendurable, exclaimed Victor. It was, of course, only a dream, yet a very peculiar one, to say the least, and I shall be in continual dread of these men, who certainly have commenced in earnest, said Lucinda, when a knock at the door interrupted their conversation, and when Miss Armington opened the door, the servant stood trembling and stammering. Oh, good lady! The house is surrounded by an army of men. End of chapter 9